Liquid Courage, the podcast where I, Amanda Pereira, sit down with a fellow female artist that I admire and ask them the questions I've never had the guts to ask them before. Sounds scary? Well, it is. So I use a little liquid courage in the form of their favorite drink. We cheers, chat, and connect as I attempt to soak up all the wisdom these women have to offer. Today I sit down with Natalie Metcalf and enjoy some refreshing tequila sodas. Natalie is a comedian, writer, actor, improviser, and a woman I admire immensely. Hi, Natalie. Hi. You're going to hate what I'm about to do, but I just have to do it because (laughs) I know you a little bit, but not a lot. And so, of course, I wanted to go like research more about you. Um, Okay, Natalie Metcalf. She is an actor. She's been on TV. She's written for YTV and CBC. She was on Second City House Co. and Touring Company and the main stage in the cast twice. You are a part of an improv show that was nominated for four Canadian Comedy Awards. Shout out to uh, the show Hookup and Bad Dog Theater. Mm -hmm. And you won two Canadian Comedy Awards for a show that you wrote and starred in. And you won, I didn't know this, you won an award in Germany for an animated short (laughs) that you wrote. Holy crap so I'm intimidated as fuck I'm very excited to talk to you I'm so happy that you are here today you're very impressive I am so happy that you asked me to do this honestly what a dream this is great and we're like in our own little um I wanted to say mobile but like our own remote locations yes yes we are we are distancing ourselves yeah uh I'm in a, a, a nook in my house, which unfortunately, <laughs> as I was telling Amanda before, is all windows. So, you know, everyone, when you hear a motorcycle <laughs> or a child scream, it's not coming from in my home. No. It is outside. I'm grateful people can that it's nice enough outside that they can ride their motorcycles. Yeah. And if you if that's something you feel like you need to do, go for it. But yeah, I, I don't care for it. You know, my mom and my stepdad actually like started riding motorcycles only a couple years ago and it scares the crap. Now, every time I see a motorcycle, I'm like, everyone be careful. That's my mom. Like, I get so it's a terrifying thought. I won't go on one. I'm scared. But Uh, yeah, absolutely. My dad growing up was a dirt bike racer. Oh, so I grew up on them. And then slowly my mom forced him to get rid of everything and, uh, uh, yeah. and give up on his dream. So yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't, I've gotten it from my mom. Honestly, my mom hates them. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. Everything my mom hates, I hate too. Yeah. I just want everyone to stay safe in a bubble, but then I'll go out and do a couple things, but everybody else needs to like yeah. be careful and quiet. Yeah. It's the same with traffic. Can everyone like get off the road? I need to be on it. <laughs> yeah. I need to be on it and I want to be safe and I want everyone yes. else to be safe. Go home. Okay. I have realized through all this, like, I thrive in very controlled environments, which doesn't make me sound fun. No. But that's, no. I'm the same. <laughs> it's not. I need, it's, and by controlled environments, like, I control them. Yes, totally. I control all environments, all people, animals, <laughs> uh, everything I control, and then I'm happy. But then I go, oh, God, why doesn't uh, anyone do anything? Like, because you yeah. are doing it all. <laughs> you're not letting anybody and you're like either literally saying or just showing them that you are happier if you just do them yes I know it's so strange 
So how, how do you find then like the creative process? Because so much is out of your control. And often if you're being hired on, like if you're being hired in a writer's room or creating a show or anything, like you're not going to be able to have such controlled environments. No, not at all. I, there's, I mean, you have, especially when it comes to Second City, you have a, a decent amount of control over what you put out uh, mm. to an extent. There's, there's still the process of like choosing what you're going to put out. And sometimes that is something that means so much to you or it's something mm. that you kind of just said in passing that the director was like that write a whole sketch on that and you're like well like fine but <laughs> I don't care about this mm. um so sometimes like I have full control over what I want and other times less control but it's still mine does that mm. make sense yeah well, what's like what's the ideal situation if you could control everything when you're creating a project what is like oh, the ideal situation I feel like the ideal situation is um I it's my my idea <laughs> <laughs> yes yes I choose the collaborative group oh so it is a group it's not alone you want to oh, be no I love having people there I love okay. having people people like to riff with and like Working with people who are better than you mm. is the only way to produce like the best content for me. Mm. So I, that's the one, that's like the amazing thing about the Second City and the cast and stuff because everyone is so good that at no point do I feel like, oh God, I gotta, I gotta work with this. Like mm. they're all so good. <laughs> so I feel like that's it. My idea, my, my, I get to choose who I'm going to work with. And mm. then I get final say, you know, and like, that's, <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> yeah, that's the psychotic dream. No, I mean, it's kind it sounds almost like actor, writer. Di- I mean, it's like director, showrunner. Yes. I guess. Let it's me like, do I it. Just wanna, yeah. It's interesting that you say, cause I, that you say like, the best thing is to work with people who you feel are better than you. Yes. Because I always think like, even in a class, I tell myself, like, I want to be in a class where I'm the worst one. So yes. that, cause, it, cause if I don't, what am I paying for? If I'm, if I feel like I'm the, the top of the class, it's like, well, I'm not going to learn as much. But then when I'm in those situations where I'm the worst one, I'm like, Oh, just get me out of here. Like totally. everyone wants me to leave. So how do you, yeah. Do you ever experience that? What is it? Yes. How do you feel like you bring value to a group if you also feel like you're bottom of the totem pole? That's so interesting. I, I, and I don't even know because like my insecurities <laughs> will take over constantly. Mm. So when mm. I feel like I'm the lowest, any, any sort of like positivity is so, mm-hmm. or any, any sort of like win or someone saying great job is so huge um, so I love those moments of feeling kind of, you know, in- insecure and, and thinking everyone's so good. And then someone says, wow, that idea was amazing. And then like, I'm on a high for a week because Aww. it means so much more than when you are, you know, the best. And now there's a, a okay, there's a fire truck um, going by. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Um, so that it means so much. It's I remember like growing up and like not growing up, but like starting improv. Mm-hmm. Or even now I coach improv a lot and people will say, you know, how do I get better? And the only way to get better is to be on stage with people who are better than you. It's the only yeah. way. You can, yeah. if you perform with the same people who are at the same level your entire time, you're not going to get any better. You have mm-hmm. to be performing. Like force yourself into groups 
that like with people who are just good and you admire and that's the only way of getting better in in this whole career Mm -hmm. are you do you feel fairly comfortable failing in front of in front of your peers or like on stage in front of audiences no (laughs) (laughs) I feel honestly okay when I see like you perform anytime I and I, it's weird because I'm talking to people and I'm asking sort of like this has come up a couple times because I'm realizing how badly I like I hate failing in front of my peers. I don't care about the audience. I will have a shit show in front of the audience and I don't yes. care about their opinions. I just want my peers. I'm realizing I want my peers to think I am the best and completely irreplaceable. And I don't know why that's too much to ask, but I'm realizing <laughs> that, that is psycho and that's what I want. And so but Absolutely. You, you seem like a person who could go up and you could be like, I'm going to bomb and fuck it because I'm amazing and I'm unique and I'm one of a kind and I'm awesome. So who cares? I think that I'm learning to be better at that. I think mm-hmm. there's no choice. Sometimes you perform like we do the same show every night for nine mm-hmm. months, you know, same show. And and some nights it's like full standing ovation. Amazing. And other nights yeah. it is silence and we're doing the same stuff and so some peers who come see a show where it's a standing ovation night I feel so confident and so good and then there's the other times where a peer or you see multiple peers in the audience and like no one's laughing which means they're not laughing Mm -hmm. and there's no worse feeling in the world Mm -hmm. than having the knowing that you're gonna see them right after the show and you guys are gonna have a drink and you (laughs) you find yourself gonna come up well, or it doesn't, and that's even worse. Oh, God, I didn't even think of that. I always that's... think, oh, I didn't even think of it. Like, oh, when you see God. even your family or peers afterwards, and everyone's like, great job, and you know they have to say it, so you're like, just don't say anything. Just don't, yeah. But yeah. I didn't think about if they don't bring it up. That's that's the heartbreaking thing, or they say, like, you look like you had fun up there. Like, Ooh, kill me. what just, is that? Murder, kill me. Um, <laughs> don't not a compliment. Me. No, it's yeah. not. And, like the best friends are the ones that come and whether the audience is laughing or not, they are laughing so loud mm. and they stay afterwards and they are, you know, so kind and so nice. And like what you want is someone to go, that particular sketch was so funny when you said this or you did this and you rolled mm. around, like that's what you want, but it doesn't happen very often. Mm. No, but it is, it's, it's just a, I'm getting better at bombing in front mm-hmm. of peers. It's still, wants uh, it still destroys me but I'm getting better <laughs> have you ever had a bomb that was so bad that you were yeah. just like this will stick with me forever yep uh I'll, the so so second city again uh these are all just recent because that's been my whole life for the last year and a half but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um our so we had one show uh we opened our show and and it got you know, great reviews and 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 people were loving it and we love doing it. And again, as is I was saying, the, some or is this the most recent show? Yes, this is this oh, is so it, good. If I could hashtag throwback time. Oh, it was amazing. It honestly is so good. And I don't have to tell you that right now because I didn't just see the show. <laughs> it is so good. I, I went to opening night with my partner and we died. It was oh. so good. Oh my god, Natalie, it was so good. Okay, I'm sorry, I completely interrupted you. No, that's so nice yeah. and it's just so, so kind. Amazing. And I, it's my first show, like first main stage show there, so I mm-hmm. couldn't appreciate that more. Um, yeah, but so we had opened, and yeah, all of our families came and and friends and everyone came opening night, and then 
we had amazing houses, standing ovation, like constantly. And then our director uh, was like, I'm coming this Sunday and my parents flew in from Vancouver. And oh. and we were like, oh, this is great. So he came and his family came. And then for some reason that night, of out of 300 seats, we only had like 48 people in the house. Oh. And oh, it was no. his it was his first directing experience and his parents' first time seeing him obviously direct a show. Mm-hmm. And it was silent from the moment we stepped out on stage to the moment we finished that show. And knowing that these two <laughs> people flew in from Vancouver to specifically watch our show. Oh God. We I couldn't have felt worse about a show in my entire life. Horrible. I felt so much guilt, even though we did the same show the day before. I was say, yeah, but you have to know somewhere. I mean, but you know what? Maybe this goes past logic. Because even if you know, like, but we did the same thing that we did for the standing ovations. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't, oh. It still eats you up, like, eats you up because the moment, you know, sketches, you know, that big blow line and then the the lights go out and the music hits before the next sketch starts. And when there's no clapping in between, oh, how so there's no even, clapping in nothing. between the sketches. It was nothing, like literally silence. Oh god! And it was like a Sunday night crowd, which usually aren't the most boisterous as it is. Right. But forty-eight people and just didn't understand what was. Ha- it's a very like politically driven show, and like they mm. just were not into it. And- <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and it. Hurt and watching our director's face just go from smiling to like slowly dying inside. And was he sitting out with his parents in the audience? Yeah. yeah oh my his, god, that's worse. His wife and his kid. Yeah, oh. no, 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 no. His parents, his wife, his kid. It was just. So in those moments when you go out, I mean, I feel like in a sketch review, you can probably feel after the first, like the first sketch ends and they don't, or they're not laughing. They didn't clap. Okay. Maybe we'll get them on the next one. But I think eventually you kind of feel like, okay, this is the type of audience we have tonight. Um, How do you keep, how do you keep your energy up? Because it's such a give and take with the audience in live theater, especially comedy. It's like, I'm going to give you something. You're giving me something. It's like an exchange of energy. How do you keep your energy up and keep loving what you're doing when the audience is like dead? Our cast, our cast is so good with that. We, we, if it was, if if I was alone on stage, a whole other Mm. story, but the fact that Mm. that, that happens you know lights go down music hits we're going into the next sketch and I'm walking off stage and someone else is walking on stage and you're just going oh boy good luck out there you know (laughs) good luck yeah Yeah. like those are the moments you need in the in backstage just being like well nothing matters and we always have a beer after the show and lucky luckily for us we also as soon as the show's done we have a 15 minute break and then we go right back on stage and do a 20 minute improv set usually so the improv set is what is what saves us we know that we get to go out and just be stupid and fun (laughs) and make each other laugh at that point because Mm. now the improv is obviously for the for the audience and stuff but a lot of the time the improv after the show is is for us because it allows us to just shake off anything we did throughout the show like we do the Mm. same sketches every night so it's nice to have that 20 minute set at the end to just go here's a fart joke that we weren't allowed to put in the show but <laughs> yeah. take that director we're gonna fart all night it's interesting because it's interesting because 
when you're talking about it, it almost feels like there's more pressure on the show. And then the improv, you get to just relax. Whereas mm-hmm. this, and I, I mean, I have never been on main stage. So this is me speaking completely hypothetically. But when I picture it, I think I would feel so much more pressure for the improv. Actually, for a, one of the shows that was on main stage at second city one of the cast members was like hey do you want to come join the improv set at the end because sometimes they have like guests and stuff mm-hmm. and I just sort of like of avoid I don't know I just didn't do it I was terrified no, I was like oh, I'm sure. that uh, okay so you are right not doing the show and just doing the improv set Mm-hmm. is so terrifying. Yeah, I still scary. get nervous to do it. If I if I if I go watch a Turco show and I play mm-hmm. the set afterwards, I still get nervous to go on stage because the audience doesn't know you. They've had right. 90 minutes to get to know us and like us and and they we they feel like they're friends. So then when we walk out on stage and we say an unfunny line and they mm-hmm. still laugh, like <laughs> we're good, you know? But mm-hmm. if if a if a guest comes out and they say an unfunny line, it's silence because there's no time to get to know them yet. So mm-hmm. as a guest, it is it's it's a it's scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I got to just a really do it. Good point. Yeah, because it's like, oh well, you didn't. Not that any performer needs to do this, but there is this idea that like you guys being on stage doing the actual main stage review show, you guys by the improv set have like earned your earned your spot. You know what I mean? It's like, see, we do deserve to be here. So now we're going to improvise. Whereas you come on as a guest, you say something, they don't laugh. And the worry is they're going to be like, are are you an improviser? Why are you up there? Are you one of us? I'm confused who you are because you suck. Totally. And the only people that get laughs the moment they step out on stage are like the ones that are television stars, you know, where Mm. where the audience is giddy for them right away. But I see so many improvisers come and play the set. And who I know are like incredible and just the mm-hmm. funniest people. And it still is like the slow burn of the audience going, <laughs> and then like, you know, laughing a little bit more. But I'm like, these, like, this guy's killing it. Give him yeah. some love, you know? Yeah, that's such a good point. Do you find it, do you find it scarier to bomb during improv where you're making it all up on the spot or in scripted? Um, stage work where like there is a script and you're you're saying lines that are like predetermined. Interesting. That's that's a it's a hard one. And I think uh, I think if you would ask me a a year ago, I would say mm-hmm. that I would be uh, more hurt if or if if sketch bombed. Mm-hmm. But now because we we write our show, um, actually no, that's hard because. Oh, that's a hard question. Mm. I mean, it's I'm sad both ways. Trust me. <laughs> oh, I think that I'm yeah. able to get myself out of a bad improv set. Like I can mm. figure out now that I've done it for a while, I can figure out ways that it's even though it's bombing, I can still get a few laughs just to like get me by. Yeah. But if it's something that I've written, like actually fully written and performed, and it bombs that's a harder pill to swallow because it's my like thought process that's that's being told isn't good you know like oh, that that's the harder one but yeah. second city like literally we build our shows through improv and then they become a sketch so 
we have to tr- we have to bomb every single night in premises. Like we do after the show. Sometimes we'll, we'll instead of a, a regular improv set, we'll do a, a forty minute set of small ideas that we have for a scene, but it's completely improvised. So I just say to to you know Hannah Spear, say I want to go out and I want the two of us to be um, uh, dogs. And we're sniffing each other's butts at the dog park, you know, like there's no premise, Yeah, (laughs) but that's what we're going to do for four minutes. And the rule is the stage manager keeps the lights up for four minutes, whether we're bombing or whether we're killing. No way. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. The the lights just stay up because you have to figure it out. You you have to, you don't know where the sketch is going to go. So maybe the first three minutes are bad, but that last minute you finally found a, a nugget of something good in it. So they keep it going for as long as possible, even though sometimes you're drowning. So I'm kind of used to that. Mm-hmm. I'm used to it now of, of 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 that feeling of bombing, even when you kind of even have an idea of what you're mm-hmm. going to do. But they both suck. <laughs> yeah. You know, originally I thought like it like it's when I think about it, it scares me so much more to bomb as an improviser because it feels Originally, before you said that, like, to me, it feels more personal, because Mm -hmm. it is just coming, I feel like it's just coming out of the essence of who I am, which I don't even know what the fuck that is yet, to be frank. So if I'm just coming up with instinctual lines to say, and I bomb, I feel like I bombed, not my performance. Right. But I totally see what you're saying, because I'm sort of picturing scripted content as a little bit more removed from myself. But if I'm writing it and it's my premise, so it's my like perspective on a specific part of the world, yeah. then it's just as it's just as personal. Is there any um, are there any premises or ideas for scenes that were cut from the show that you like that really hurt that were like a heartbreaker and you really wanted in the show? <laughs> so many. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or like oh. not even just that, but like. Sometimes, sometimes you get taken out of a scene because, mm. you know, you're too heavy in the first act. So, mm-hmm. you gotta, so there's like all those things that happen too. But there was, oh, I had so many scenes taken out of the last show. I came in hot and heavy right in the beginning <laughs> yeah. and I gave all my stuff and, and it all seemed to work. So I'll, I'll let me explain quickly the the quick process of how this works, just so people yeah, understand please. what it is. Yeah, we do uh, ten weeks of what we called process. So the last show that was running, which is which which was called Walking on Bombshells, uh, we kept running that show, and then at then in the improv set we would uh, improvise premises, and once those premises one worked we would take one scene out of the Walking on Bombshell show and put that premise in until after 10 full weeks of doing that, we have a full brand new show. So in the beginning, the first three weeks, I like, I had so many scenes in. I felt so good. Mm. I was like, this is great. Oh my God. Everyone talks about how process is so draining because you're, <laughs> you're doing, you're doing eight shows a week, but you're also there every single day rehearsing it's like it's like 15 hour days every day other than you get two days off and uh it's it's grueling but I was like Mm -hmm. I'm week three and I got a lot of stuff in there I felt (laughs) very good and then slowly but surely I would say five scenes got just taken away and ones that I loved (laughs) 
(laughs) so much. But, but that makes sense. Like it's not just my show. (laughs) Oh, it's not ideal, is it? No, (laughs) no. uh, I mean, other people's stuff was funnier, you know, it Mm -hmm. goes in when the point is what you do is in the beginning, you put a bunch of sketches in and then by week four, week five, week six, you try to beat those sketches. You keep writing mm-hmm. funnier things. You keep doing things that are better than what you did. If you just put in those first few, your show's going to be okay, mm-hmm. but you have to keep making things better. And the world changes so fast that something that you started in the beginning, all of a sudden you see on YouTube now that someone's already done or or it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's not even like politically relevant anymore or something. Yeah, things change yeah. so fast. So sketch comedy nowadays is just so much more difficult to do because there's so many other platforms. So things are happening so quickly. I can't keep up with, you know, TikTok. (laughs) People are going to put out content on TikTok that's basically the same premise, but just in 40 seconds. So they win. (laughs) They win. You're like, well, been working 10 weeks on that, but I guess uh, TikTok (laughs) wins. It's already out. Oh my God. Or sometimes I'll find like, I'll have a premise, but it's not, I couldn't elevator pitch it. Like I couldn't write it into one sentence, but it's an idea that I can't articulate yet. And then I'll watch like, yeah, a TikTok of like a 13 year old boy and he's articulated it so perfectly in in 12 (laughs) seconds. I'm like, great. Am I, am I an artist? Like what's happening here? I'm confused. That's, that's our whole lives now of like trying to, and you have to keep up to date with everything. And like the worst feeling in the world is being in a pitch meeting and being, or being in a pitch session and being Mm -hmm. okay. Okay. I have this idea. So uh, this girl's going to do this and this one's going to do this. And someone goes, oh yeah, so-and-so did that. And then they pull up a video and you have to watch your thing be done, even though you've spent so much time being like, this is the sketch I want to do. I'm so excited about it. And then it just immediately goes down the toilet. God, That's normal now. Or even like in a pitch meeting, I would even be worried. I would even be worried in a pitch meeting, like, somebody says something like oh we would do this and then that and then that and everyone's laughing and you find out it's a metaphor for like a, a something political going on that I didn't even know what was going on like I <laughs> yeah. like did I miss that cp24 cycle I'm confused yes a lot I of don't know. yeah that happens a lot and I mean things just go over your head so easy like <laughs> I don't know everything yeah no that was a big fear actually when I was in conservatory at second city that was like a whole premise put upon me that we had to come in with our biggest fears. Um, and I came in with one of my biggest fears was like, people talk about something that is like moderately intelligent and I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, so I had to go up like night after night and ask for an audience member who was like, uh, what is the word? Oh my God. See life imitates art right now. whatever who was smart in an area and then in like something that wasn't too specific either and then I had to just give a TED talk on it for five minutes straight and it was called Amanda talk and I would go off legit my legs would be shaking but what was so sweet I would come off and all my cast members would be like hugging me and patting me on the back and I would be sweating yeah absolutely but those are the best sketches the ones that make you shake and shiver and (laughs) sweat and make you feel like you're going to have a panic attack and pass out. Those are the ones you have to do. And that was what I that I learned that this time. That sounds like a, a fantastic sketch. It's exactly what you should be doing. God, we're in such like a sadistic 
industry, but we love it. Like why, yeah. what is going on? Okay. You, this actually, this makes me think of something that I read um, that you said in an interview. So um, you, you were talking about second city and you were talking about that. Um, well, I'll just quote you. So mm. you had said, uh, quote, what I'm saying Oh my God. You know what? I've drank half of a tequila soda and I can't read my own writing. That's what just happened. I was like, that sentence doesn't make sense, but I don't want to say that because it's a quote and Natalie said it, but it does make sense. I read it wrong. It may not make sense. No, no, it a hundred percent does. I just inverted the words. Okay. Tequila sodas. Everyone's just going to have to get on board and get used to it. Get at it. I even, um, I found a lime that is in its last days. So I, I popped some lime in there. Oh, that's Yeah, nice. and I haven't had dinner yet. So I'm like, hey, hey, in my closet, sweating, drinking tequila, and I can't read. Okay, <laughs> this is what you said. <laughs> you said something. It like hit me to the core. I was like, shit. Okay, well, what? Okay, great. Enough preface. You said, quote, what am I saying that's unique compared to the rest of my cast? Because you can't all be saying the same thing, end quote. So mm-hmm. I was very curious. What yeah. do you feel that you're saying? What do you say in your cast that's unique? And in I'm realizing this sounds like an interview. Like I'm not trying to say, <laughs> what do you bring to the table that I can't get from somebody else? I'm, I'm actually just wondering, like, how do you figure that out? How do you figure out how you're unique in a group of voices? I think it's, it's, it's sometimes it's not necessarily the, the exactly, um, the different ideas, but it's oh, different ways that you present them. So I am the type of person, you're never going to see me on stage if it's my premise, be like, okay, um, so we've both, we've both just, uh, we both have a shit all over us. Like I can't do that type of stuff. All my stuff is very like emotional. It's like, mm. I, 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 I need to build a sketch that has, um, it, it, it's like re- all relationship based. I, I, mm-hmm. I feed off of, um, uh, showcasing different relationships, whether it's friendship relationships, parent, parental relationships, like, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever. I love that type of stuff. Whereas other cast members, they would never even think to pitch a relationship, you know, because they, they're, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's other people in the, in the, in the cast who are so amazingly talented at doing completely silent scenes uh, that I would also would never pitch for myself. So mm. it's not necessarily the content because some, I mean, sometimes it's the content, but it's the way you present it too. We can't all be saying the same thing. We all can't be saying the same thing the same way. We have mm-hmm. to be doing things differently. Uh, like Hannah Spears, so good at doing big, huge, wacky characters. Chris Wilson, so good at doing um, like adventure style, a silent very dramatic, uh, like, like just very physical scenes, you know, so (laughs) everyone does things differently. And I want to sit there and I want to like scream in someone's face (laughs) and I want to like, I want to cry and I, but all in a comedic way. So everyone's bringing something different to the table, which is so nice. If you built a cast all around people being emotional, like Mm -hmm. no one's going to want to see that show. Oh yeah. Or they would, they would leave being like, Oh, like big size. Exhausting. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. So but, what would you, when you're saying like Hannah can do this and Chris can do this, what would you want a cast member to say, Natalie's really good at this? Oh, great question. I feel like I would hope that they would say I'm very good at 
the this is going to sound so unfunny, but the <laughs> the structure of a sketch. Like I I'm, I'm very good at uh mathematical like okay, so this happened in the beginning, so then uh the tilt needs to happen here and then we need to have three main points that that support it and they need to be get more and more absurd each time and then there needs to be a point of no return, you know, something at the at the end where it flips and then there's another flip and then there's a blow. Like I'm very good at knowing the trajectory of sketches. Mm. I know that does not sound fun or like anyone would want to have me in the cast, but I I'm I'm good at it. And no, but I mean it actually just sounds like it's almost like it it's like the idea that I was saying, oh, well, I could have this idea in my head, but I don't know how to articulate it. And then this 12-year-old boy did on TikTok. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, hey, Natalie knows how to articulate your idea in a way that people will actually understand it and it will affect them. I think that's huge. I think that's actually like people can have all these funny ideas, but if they don't know how to execute it in a way that will be effective for your audience, then the idea doesn't matter because nobody heard it. Totally. Totally. And I, I think that's, I, that's, I think that's also the, the part of me that wants eventually to be able to direct because I love that stuff. I love, mm. I love working on that stuff. I also am a huge fan of having a point of view in sketches. So mm-hmm. I don't understand for me the purpose of doing a sketch and not having something to say along with it, even if it's literally just, I, I don't like going to fancy restaurants. Like that's, that's, a, a very mundane, nothing POV. But as long as you can prove that and make it funny, like I'm on board. I want yeah. I want you to be saying something. I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. Just say something with it. So I think that would, hopefully that would be another thing they would say. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny because sometimes um, I'll, I'll work with people or like at my restaurant because they know that I do improv. There's a couple people, like other servers who are getting into um, – conservatory or like our do it starting sketch or starting improv and so sometimes we'll just like bounce ideas off of each other and I I completely agree with you that like you have I feel the stuff that I enjoy just my opinion is like you have to have a point of view you have to have an opinion so it can't be your opinion can't be fancy dinners it needs to be do you like them are they awful you can't afford them like what is the idea and I very often feel like I'm sucking the fun out of people's ideas because they'll be like okay so I want to do this sketch where I go to a restaurant and I eat a fancy dinner and I'm like, great. Do you okay, like why? it? Like, why? <laughs> what, why are you there? What's the, what's the ambiance? What are we doing? Like I'll ask questions. I'm like, I don't know. I haven't thought that far, but isn't that fun? I'm like, I don't know to laugh or not because I don't know what you're saying. Totally. And I feel like I just suck all the fun out of it. But when you say it, you say it in a very good way. Like I, <laughs> you're saying it in a way where I'm like, yeah, that's what I mean. Again, you're, you're 12 year old boy TikToking me. It's perfect. Oh my God. That's, that's me, 12 year old TikToker. <laughs> 12 year old TikToker. What do you think like, what do you think about this industry? And it can be at Second City. It can be um, with, with writing and performing sketch or just in like the entertainment industry in general. What do you think intimidates you the most? Ooh, um, I don't know. What intimidates me the most? I think that, well, the things that usually intimidate people are the things that they uh, are not good at or like mm. not necessarily not good at, but like things that they don't do often. And I think for me, the thing that I don't do as often and which I, I, I have this like weird thing where I don't want to do is, mm. <laughs> is, um, uh, this sounds so bad. Uh, everyone take classes, but I don't want to take classes. 
I'm, I don't want to do it. I mm-hmm. don't, I don't care. <laughs> and that's something that intimidates me. And I think I would be a better performer if I did it. And I just, and I'm mainly meaning like on camera stuff. Like I was going to ask you, so like you're thinking like on TV or on yeah. camera acting classes. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. do it. I have no, yeah. I keep listening to people talk about their camera classes and it sounds so wanky and so stupid and mm-hmm. I just don't want to do it. And I'm sure it would make me so much better and maybe you'd see me on a show or something because right now you're not. So <laughs> maybe it would help you were, me. You were in Bitten. <laughs> so long ago. I don't care if it was 2000 and whatever. I You were in Bitten. I was impressed. You can still put that in italics in your bio. You know what's interesting about that that show too? Just a quick mm. a quick thing. I grew yeah. up in Cambridge, which was super fun, wonderful, lovely mm-hmm. town. And um, <laughs> when I got cast in it, they were like, "Oh, we're shooting in Ca- we're shooting in Cambridge." I and I was like, it. "Yeah." And they we shot at the restaurant that I worked at when I was oh. growing up my whole life. No way. Anyway, this is just a side note. No one cares, but but me. It's still one of my favorite things that ever happened. The first thing I ever got cast in. I got to go back to my hometown and shoot in the the like pub that I got to work at during university. Anyways. I think that's no, I think that's so interesting. Can I ask you when you found so first of all, I read that you were from Cambridge and then you like did an article you like did an interview um where I think it was like a pro Cambridge article kind of thing. They yeah. were asking you and they were like, yeah. And she was in Bitten and part of it was shot in Cambridge. And I was actually wondering, but I'm like, maybe that's dumb if I ask her that. So I'm so glad you brought this up. Okay. I didn't know about the pub because I didn't read that, but how did it feel to find out you were going to shoot in the pub you grew up in? I mean, grew up in, did you grow up in a no, pub? No, I didn't grow up in it. I honestly grew up in it. hundred percent. I'm sweaty. There's tequila. This is so good. Also, tequila soda with some lime. This is the best. It's the best. I'm so glad you. Oh, it's the best. I'm so glad and you chose this drink. You can have like four, and you will not be hungover tomorrow. And that's the greatest part oh, of it. That's it. That's why people do like vodka water. You know? Yes. And some yes. citrus. I'm all about that. Same. Okay. Um. It, it, I was very excited. Mm-hmm. Um it's just cool like I I hung out with my my old boss all day because we just hung out in the pub so him and I just chilled I didn't stay on my trailer or anything I just stayed in at the bar (laughs) did you feel like okay so two things are running through my head that either I someone might feel like really here I am and I I get my tv show and now I'm back where I started or you could be like yeah, bitch. Like, look at me. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm coming back here, but I'm not working here. I'm, well, I'm working here, but I'm working here as an actor. You know I what I mean? So, you feel like a badass. I was so happy to be back. <laughs> so oh. I love that place. It's this place called Ernie's in Cambridge. No one knows it probably, but it is like my full heart. I love that place oh, so everyone much. go get takeout from ernie's right now yeah oh they're great i mean it's owned by different people now but they're okay. great too okay. you know oh that's interesting um you know just this morning i was thinking to myself i was like oh man through through all this isolation like i'm gonna come out probably not as good for sure not a better actor than when i started because i haven't been practicing mm-hmm. like but I had the same feelings like, but I don't want to go to a class. No. And it's not because I don't, you know, it's not this idea like, oh, I'm too lazy. I'm doing other work. I just, I don't want to go to a class. And 
I'm interested what what makes you like are you that way about improv classes or were you that way about improv classes no I love improv classes really Those, so what is it about on camera classes I guess it just uh, so okay here here's the truth everyone yeah, I've yeah. never done one yeah. Um. And so I have this. I just have this adverse feeling to them, because I just, I just think they're wanky. I only I hear about people and like the 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 scenes that are given out the scene studies and how they're mm-hmm. such like these like old brutal like gender stereotypes and mm-hmm. I just feel like I know I would be grumpy the whole time. So. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. And maybe if I found the right one, I would go. But no matter who I've talked to and it's been like, who should I go to? They go, oh, my God, you have to try this person. Be prepared, you know, that he might be a bit of a creep or um, or he might give you weird, uh, weird scenes. And you're like, well, then why am I going? Yeah. Why is it? <laughs> sometimes it does feel like me feeling that my safety is being threatened is like the ticket I have to pay to become a better actor. And I don't know why that has to be the case. No, and it it, it shouldn't be the case. And I just don't, I don't feel like, oh, this is going to sound bad too. I just don't feel like being taught by an old white dude. I don't mm. care. I don't want mm-hmm. it. Like I'm, we're, I'm done with it in mm-hmm. life. I'm mm-hmm. done. I don't need it. There's a million women out there. And if you guys want to get at me with some amazing female uh, film instructors who like give out great scenes that are you know in the 2020s please hit me up yeah oh it's such a it's such a love hate I bet you more actors have this love hate relationship or maybe just hate relationship with acting classes than are saying it because people just don't feel like they can say it I've had certain acting classes that I have loved and I have felt like the ones that I love are ones where I'm like oh they're not emotionally taking advantage of me or my peers Mm -hmm. wow Eureka because most of them I feel like I am being emotionally taking taken advantage or I just feel like I have to be emotionally on guard and some of that I know is me and some of that is what I'm seeing like you don't need to anyway yeah, I think it's a yeah. lot of old school practices that don't really work in our world anymore. Again, this is coming from someone who has yet to do it and only hearing the negative things that other actors have said and then made up my mind of being like, well, I'm never doing it. Well, it's like Jennifer Lawrence. You're our own Jennifer Lawrence. I don't think she, she. I, I don't know. I hear she hasn't taken an acting she class. Didn't, she never took one, eh? I don't think so. But I was thinking, again, this was all happening in the shower. I was thinking about all this. <laughs> And for Jennifer Lawrence, she never took an acting class, but she was also on a sitcom when she was like a teenager. So I feel like it, I feel like if you're constantly working, you are learning. Yes. Like that was another thing for me is I'm like, I'm not taking an acting class right now. I'm also not on set. So yes. I do need to learn something. And absolutely. I mean, yeah. And and I would even for some of those classes too, I even think like, I'll just grab a scene from a show that I love and I say, I want to do this scene. And, you know, some of them, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's a lot of what it is. I think a lot of people go to those classes when they're not working mm-hmm. um, because it makes you feel like you're keeping up on it, which is so smart. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to. That's not for you. Yeah, no, totally. And I'm, I'm very lucky that I get to be on stage every night. So the if there's one thing that has made me a better actor, mm-hmm. it is 100% improvising um, with emotion 
regularly. Mm-hmm. That's like the hands down the best thing I ever did for for uh, my like skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing. I think it's just finding whatever way, whether it's a class, it's a workshop, it's you and your peers getting together, it's it's creating content, whatever whatever way makes you feel like you're getting better in the areas that you want to get better in, then that's great. I think that's awesome. Um, Okay. I want to admit something to you that I'm like a little bit, I'm, I am very ashamed of, and I'm like, okay, we're pushing through. We're going to tell Natalie. Okay. Yes. So actually you and I worked um, in casting I was going to say a couple weeks ago. Honestly, this isolation, I don't know how long ago it was anymore. It must have been a month. February, wasn't it? Okay. A couple months ago. I mean, a couple weeks ago, I was still in my apartment. So there's no way it was a couple weeks ago. (laughs) You and I were working together in casting. And at the end of it, I actually chatted with you a bit about the podcast. And this idea came up a little bit. And it made me realize, I was like, oh, my God, I have to tell her of this awful moment that I realized I had. Okay. I know. My hands are sweaty. They're always sweaty, but they're extra sweaty. Okay. So it's, it's, okay. So you and I auditioned together in the same group, like a group audition at Second City. This was years ago for Houseco for a cast that they were putting together. Yes. And I didn't really know you at that point. I think I knew a, I, like you were, you looked familiar to me, but I, we didn't, we hadn't talked or something. And Honestly, I was probably just in my own little bubble at that time because you, then you were already like a known and respected performer. So I think I was just in my own little fucking terrified bubble. Um, But after the audition, so you got cast in the house co-cast at Second City. I didn't. And I remember thinking just automatically when I looked at the cast, I remember thinking, oh, I should have like paid more attention to her in my group because I realized it was like this weird opportunistic thing where I was like, oh, because if I would have connected with her then, then maybe we could be friends now. And she just got house co. So then somehow my status in a way would have gone up because she's in house co, even though I feel sad and rejected and awful. I felt so gross afterwards. I knew it came from like a desperate, insecure place. And I did not like that part of myself being like, somehow you seemed more like, attractive to me like not like yeah 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 like you know what I mean as a person you somehow seemed more attractive to me as like a potential friend after you got house co I felt so (laughs) disgusting I was like what is going on brought that right into therapy was like please assess this because I'm like this this needs to be taken out of my DNA but it was so and then when we worked together a few months ago at a casting session Afterwards, when you and I were chatting, I mentioned to you that I was like kind of struggling and I had sort of this love hate relationship at the time with improv because the fun and love that I had for it, I was having it was sort of getting sucked out, but I felt like I should keep doing it so that my peers knew like, I'm still here. I still want to be cast and stuff. I still want to work together. And I remember you sort of just being like, people don't cast people in if they get like a show on cbc they're not casting someone they saw at an improv show they're casting their friends who who deserve it like who Mm -hmm. are very good and deserve to get it but they're Mm -hmm. casting people they already work with and i remember just thinking like oh my god what is this weird opportunistic like i don't know what i don't know what i don't know it was gross 
It will, I think also <laughs> the thing you're feeling is the most normal thing in the world. That's yeah. that is our whole community. That is just how it is. That's it. Mm, yeah. I remember there's so many people that like later on I was like, damn it. <laughs> I what uh, is that? Did you really? You felt that before? Oh my god, I'm gonna cry from the tequila, Natalie. That's oh so nice. Of course, it's so normal. Where that is a normal feeling to feel. Ugh. But I want to look at this is this is what I'm realizing, and this has taken me. Oh my god, I've been in the improv community for I don't know, like fucking seven years or something, and it's taking me so long to realize. If somebody works in our industry, I have such a hard time separating the human in them from the professional in them, and I want to like. Either I'm auditioning for them, like, hey, any job yeah. you want, you want me to work with you, or I'm like, should I be? If I become friends with them, I'm almost afraid. Like, if you and I became real friends, and then we had an argument, and you didn't like me anymore, then would it cut me out of opportunities? Like, I'm totally. so scared of treating performers like humans. That's totally. But I think that again, I think that's so normal. Uh, and I think there's certain people that aren't like that at all in our community. And I'm mm. so in awe of them to be like, oh, you just outwardly don't like this person. And they have a TV show on on, on air. Like, yeah. Oh, good for you. <laughs> uh, I'm so afraid to. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't even know if I know many people enough to dislike them. And I think I give people the benefit of the doubt way too much anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I don't like this like professional filter that I look at people in the community through. Same, same. I feel the exact same way. And people that like, like, they're just, they're also people that I've admired for so long who then move mm-hmm. up to do more things. And that, that admiration just grows. But it, there's also that weird like want to, for them to like see you. And, mm-hmm. and it's so strange because they see you, they know you exist. And if they mm-hmm. haven't cast you in something, it's for a reason. Like mm-hmm. they're not, not doing it because you're not friends. They're just like, they, they don't want to, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So there's no need for us to like try so hard, but you do anyways. Yeah. Like when you said like, they just don't want to cast you in something and that's okay. I'm like, is it Natalie? Is it okay? Because how can I fix myself to make it so that... And that's crazy. I actually ended up speaking with somebody who like, I adore her. And I think she's lovely. And she creates a lot of stuff. And it came up in conversation. I don't even know how, but I didn't bring up like her casting me or not in things. But she ended up just bringing up in a comment like, yeah, and and Amanda, like, I could never cast you because you look like my sister. And I was like, oh, that's why she doesn't think I'm an awful, untalented, boring human being. She just thinks I look like her. (laughs) I was like, Oh, God, but still, like, that's so sad. Right. I mean, yeah, but I guess I was going through being like, well, I've made no impression on her for the last seven years. That sucks. (laughs) You've also made so many impressions on people and, like, we all have and we'll just never know. We'll just never know. Yeah. I know. It is a very, very odd and, and gross feeling, but I know exactly what you mean. Oh, my God, I was not expecting you to... Oh God, I mean, yeah. That's a lovely person. So I was expecting you to like be like, hey, no, like, hey, you had a shitty show, but it looked like you had fun up there. Like I was expecting you to like make me feel better about my shitty emotion, but I didn't think you were gonna be like, Yeah, I've had that. 
No, and I have had that. And you know what is funny? What also is funny is that I know exactly the audition you were talking about. And mm. I remember the audition, that house co-audition, because you did your scene with Brittany Smith. Oh, yeah, I did. Speaking yeah. of TikTok. Speaking of TikTok, follow yeah. Brittany Smith on TikTok. Brittany, I think it's like Brittany. It's either Brittany Smith or Brittany Charlotte Smith. Go look it up. She's an amazing dancer and she's very funny. <laughs> But yeah, see, everyone makes an impression on someone. Right. Oh, yeah. I think we did one where we were like, mom. That was the first time I met Brittany, too. We did some scene about like mom and daughter when we almost kissed or something. Oh, my God. I (laughs) forgot that was the audition. I don't remember the content, but I remember you standing side by side on stage. And that was my also my first meeting of of Brittany. Oh, was it really? Yeah. I never met her before. Look how the journey ends up I know now she's like I didn't want to give her a title for you because she's wanna... like I mean yeah are we gonna say it she's she's someone who is close to me yeah <laughs> very close I'm 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 dating her brother everyone yes that's what we should say I didn't want to do like the SIL because I'm like I don't know like mm-hmm. that's not what we're going um I know oh my god that was the first time you met her that's so yeah. funny did you already know Christian at that time? Wait, yes. should I not say that? Did you already know your partner at that time? You can say Christian. Christian, oh, Christian. Christian. Christian's great. Christian Smith, everyone. He's great. <laughs> Go look him up. And Natalie and Christian do a very cute interview on like the morning show or CP24 together. And they are so endearing. <laughs> and Christian's sweater is incredible. If he still has it and he doesn't want it, he can donate to the, to the house he of Amanda. He wears it regularly. It's oh, his so nice cute. sweater. Oh, so good. That's so good. <laughs> Wow, that's you know, it is it is intra or it is important to remember those things of like, hey, you made an impression on me, and you probably don't know it. So mm-hmm. just for yourself, imagine that you are making an impression on everybody all the time. <laughs> yeah, or you you are unless there's those people that like can't remember your name after you've met them yeah. four times, and then you know what, give up. And then you're don't. like, you know what, it's, this has been happening. No. So then, how do you find making? friendships with people in this community whether it be in comedy community or acting community I mean they're both so intertwined but like how do you find making genuine friendships with people who have the same career as you I am not great at friendships (laughs) it is something that I've like I've I've made sketches about it on stage I am I'm good at being like a like I'm I, with my core group of friends, I am mm-hmm. good at being a good friend. I am I'm mm. good at it. With um, I'm good, and then with other people, I'm good at being like a a here and there friend. I'm not. Mm. I find myself getting very stressed out over over the idea of being a good friend, and then I take steps back because I don't ever feel like I'm good enough sometimes in friendships. So then I end up not calling or not texting or not coming to a birthday party or because I, I, I'm constantly, that's my, that's probably one of my biggest insecurities in life is friendships. Not great at them. No, I wish I was better. I I'm just, it's that's just a general thing. As far as this community goes, Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's sometimes uh, difficult in this community to make core friendships. A lot of people Mm -hmm. I've found have like, grown up together like so many improvisers and comedians have like gone to high school together and then they went to Mm. university together and then they're still friends now for someone who came into the community late 
Mm-hmm. And like, I've only been doing it seven years. So mm-hmm. I came in, I came in later than most people. And, uh, I, I also am not the like stay out late and party person. Mm-hmm. So I go home early and I, I, it's just different. Like it's, it's harder. I find it, I find it like difficult to make close, close relationships. I have a few and I love them so mm-hmm. much, mm-hmm. but as far as like, like you're going to be my, my maid of honor, like probably not. <laughs> That's so, when did you, did you always have that? Like even growing up that you yeah. were worried about being a good friend or I guess worried that you wouldn't be a good enough friend? Always. My whole life terrified that I'm not a good enough friend. And I, I have this one friend who I love more than anything and she is so okay with me not being a good friend. <laughs> so when I, when I call or I text and or I say like, God, I am so sorry I haven't called in a while. She's just like, it's okay. And then the same thing. She's like, I know it was your birthday and I missed it and, I, and it's okay. Like, and, and I didn't call and I'm like, it's totally fine. And we have this like cool friendship and I need it. I like need it so much because I'm just not, I'm not great with it. <laughs> what is the, what's like, I'm so curious, what's the great, like, or what is the fear that you're not going to be enough in what area? I guess you're saying like, you're not going to call enough or you're not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to show up. I don't want to go out all the time. I like going out mm-hmm. once in a while, but I don't want to go out all the time. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I'm not going to buy you gifts for mm-hmm. your birthday. It's just not me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be super needy in some like times and then I'm going to be gone and you're not going to hear from me for a while and it's just like I I don't feel like evened out as far as mm. friendship so I feel like I'm all or nothing it constantly and never just a friend <laughs> <laughs> is has it always I'm so like where do you think this comes from where do you think the the thought or the behavior or whatever and I'm not even saying like when you were describing um that I'm not going to buy you a gift and I'm going to do this. Honestly, the first thought in my head was like, oh God, she sounds like such a stable friend. Like that's nice to have. (laughs) Like honestly, because I know what I'm going to get from you and you know who you are. And I really even, oh my God, especially in the last few years, like people who know who they are and accept that are such gifts to have relationships with, whether it's a platonic relationship or romantic, because it's like, Oh God. Great. I, I know that you are this thing and I want that thing. Fabulous. Yes. And, and I think there are people who, who are good with that and they're like, I know what I'm getting. And if she shows up tonight, great. And if she doesn't, that's fine too. But there's other people who, who need more from me too. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not good at giving it a lot of the time. Mm. I wish, I wish I could, but it's, there's also part of me maybe who just like doesn't want to. Yeah. I feel like that's okay. Absolutely. That's okay. Do you have the same fears or have you had the same fears in romantic relationships? Hmm. Great question. Yeah, for sure. For Mm. sure. I'm, yeah, I'm all in or I'm distant. (laughs) (laughs) So is it, is it hard for you to get into a relationship like, do you have those same fears of like, oh, I might not be what, what they want, or I might not no. be, you know? I have no problem getting into relationships. <laughs> Why did you say it like oh, that? I love that. Oh, God. Give me a relationship. <laughs> I will dive into it. <laughs> You're like, I'm ready. I got my bathing suit on. I got first, my bathing cap yeah, on. I am already soaking wet, just fully <laughs> yeah, I'm in dived the relationship. In. 
I dived in. Now tell me who I'm dating. Perfect. <laughs> Fabulous. Why do you think it's such? Why do you think it's different? I don't know. I'm so much more guarded with friends. Mm. <laughs> so That's much more. So- like, why am I giving this to you? Why? What? Ooh. Why am I giving you like my my juice? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I think I also, there's probably a lot of trust issues that go into that of just being like, am I, do I need to give you this? Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's such an interesting thing. It is so interesting. I mean, I think, I think friendships are, I feel like there's so many studies and like articles and money put towards like looking at romantic relationships and I often feel like, hey, I'm struggling with my friendships. Can can we learn more about that? Because there is this thing about like, well, if you are monogamous, then you're going to have one person you're in a romantic relationship with. But friends could theoretically be like an infinite number. And I mean that, like I get stressed out about that. I'm like, I don't, you know, I'll give my juice away, but like, there's only so much in the picture. And like, I don't Mm -hmm. know how many people are going to come up with glasses. Yeah. And I yeah. want to give everybody who wants juice, juice. Yeah. yeah. But and I, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to give everyone and I don't trust everyone with, to carry that juice around. They're mm-hmm. going to spill it. They're going to spill it. Spill or they might it. not even drink it. Let it get warm. Yes. And I'm a pretty private person as far as like my life goes. Mm. So if I, if I open up in any way and like tell someone something, it's a big deal for me. <laughs> mm, yeah. I really don't. I don't love doing it. I I honestly kind of save most of it for like me and my partner and my like super close knit friends. And the rest is like, I'm just your fun friend. Like I'll come out and hang out. You can tell me everything and I'll listen and I'll give advice, but mm. I'm, I'm not great at offering up my own mm. shit. Yeah. Do you, so like telling people secrets or yeah. not even secrets or like telling people things that make you feel vulnerable. Yeah. Not good at it. Mm-hmm. Not. But then there's some people, oh my God, some people are so incredible and they just get things out of you. And those are my favorite people in the whole world. Aww. Ones that I don't feel like they're fishing. They're just yeah. genuinely having a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. There's certain people that I'm like, you're a true good person. You're just... Mm-hmm just want to chat and you actually care you're not just like trying to get info or and it'll spread around the community so fast it's just mm-hmm. we're just having a nice chat those are the best friendships I think that's like a generic thing though I feel like that's a universal you know the ones that are willing to listen and open up about themselves are the best type of friends to have mm-hmm. I assume well, but also I think it's like for each person's sort of unique recipe you know because that could make you feel really seen or heard or validated or safe but maybe a different kind of behavior would make somebody else feel those same things I mean it it is nice it almost sounds like you're describing like an experience with somebody where afterwards they made you feel like relaxed and safe enough that you didn't have some guards up that you normally have to keep up totally you know that can be exhausting I've had experiences where I like talk to some people and afterwards I feel a bit lighter I'm like whoa like they are magic that person's magic I need to talk to them again at some point yeah yep yeah. absolutely and then but, I don't know about you but then I constantly think do not use that person as your therapist Natalie do not, do not yeah. just call that person whenever you're upset 
because I've been that person for other people where it's like, I'll listen and I'll, and I'll do all that. And then I think that we're friends and then I only get calls when they're upset. And then it's just exhausting. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Then it's just exhausting. I'm like overly conscious about how to be a friend always. Mm. So sometimes I just go, I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I get it because if you are thinking, I mean, if you're thinking about the other person and how to take care of them, mm-hmm. then it, I, I get that. It could be exhausting to navigate and be like, oh my God, am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? Am I giving too much of myself? Am I taking on too much of them? And yeah. You know, but being that considerate, I would imagine you're an incredible friend. I, I, I honestly do my best. And if it's good enough for people, great. If it's not, I'm okay with it, with like that friendship not flourishing. That really like is how I am in the end. Yeah. I'm never going to like search, like, like make sure that person's my friend. I'll never be that. Yeah. I'll never search out a friendship and be like, you are, we're going to be friends. I can't do it. Have you ever had somebody, have you ever felt like someone was trying to do that to you? Um, maybe they have, but they've probably succeeded and I've just given in. (laughs) They somehow (laughs) tricked me and now I'm their maid of honor. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have, because I feel like people just do it with, with human beings. Like that's just what we do. Mm -hmm. But I can't, if it, if it's happened, I'm like, okay. I have a very hard time figuring out if I'm friends with somebody or if they think I'm a friend or what's a friend or there are for sure some people in this community that I'm like, they are my friend. Absolutely. Yes. But so Amanda, I will say you just recently had a birthday, right? Yes, I did. Okay. And happy belated (laughs) birthday. Oh, thank you. I don't know why I said it like that. I did. You know why? (laughs) Because I was like, oh my God, Natalie Metcalf knew it was my birthday. Holy shit. (laughs) Well, I did because I saw that you had posted something on Instagram on your stories that it was your birthday. So I messaged you saying happy birthday. And then after that, you had like, you were like reposting stories that other people had posted saying wishing you a happy birthday. And there was like 30 posts. Like, I feel like that goes to show how many friends someone has. And that terrifies me. So like when it's your birthday, other people post that it's your birthday on their stories and then you can reshare it. So when someone reshares like 30 posts, that's a huge deal. That means like you have a lot of friends and they care about you if they're posting on their stories. So that's a big deal. You have, you got, you got a a decent amount of friends, my friend. (laughs) My friend. That's very nice of you to say. My weird brain goes straight to oh my God, how long can I keep up the charade of keeping them my friends? (laughs) And I also think, yeah, I mean, straight up imposter syndrome. Like definitely I'm like, oh, you are really cool. I don't know how I got you as a friend. I got lucky in a lottery and I'm going to have to keep convincing you to keep staying my friend. Yeah, absolutely. And you only post in your stories also if you have a picture of that person. And I don't have pictures in my phone of people that I'm not friends with. (laughs) right that's fair that's totally fair there's also that thing on instagram that that the um when you can put people on your close friend list that makes me so that makes me so happy i'm on like six close friend lists and every time there's a post and it says just close friends i can't tell you Oh, I'm like, okay, so how exactly does it work? Friend? So if I if I put you on my close friend list, you 
you're notified that you're on my close friend it'll list? It'll show up as green on your story rather <gasps> than like the regular pink. And it'll say at the top, like close friends. So like if someone wants to, you know, post a, a joke that, you know, maybe they don't want their f- certain friends or family to see. Right. Or like a nude. And you're like, yeah. <gasps> oh my God. I didn't know that's how it worked, Natalie. I thought, I thought if they, if it said close friends, it means I put them on my close friends. No. But I didn't know no, how they I did you. that because I don't know how to use it. Oh my God. No, that's they put so... you. So doesn't it make you feel so nice? Oh, I'm thinking of one person in particular that I didn't know she thought of me that way. Well, I think it's really cool. Yeah, it's so <laughs> it nice. All, it is nice. And you know what? This is all fucked up because why? I just feel like so many of us are walking around feeling like we are not enough or don't have what it takes or mm-hmm. I don't know, some sort of like lack of something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who told us that. <laughs> and then we believed it. Like, like who originally told me that? And no then one. I just, yeah. No one. It's like, just everything you see around you as a child. That's it. And then it's, it's just like, ingrained in you forever. And that's how you feel. I, yeah. and so side story, I have a, a brother who has Down syndrome and he mm-hmm. is, the most incredible man in the entire world. His name is Jeff. But since we have been kids, mm-hmm. we have only ever, we have kids like, like my parents and everyone, we have only ever told him that he is the smartest, funniest, most handsome man in the whole world. Mm-hmm. He has not a single insecurity about him. <laughs> he is oh. the most like confident um a beautiful man in the world who just exudes happiness, which is obviously a characteristic of, of people with Down syndrome, but he like just has so much light around him. And I, Mm -hmm. other than the fact that he has downs, but he also like, it's ingrained in him to, to just be confident because that's all anyone has ever said to him, which, whereas I didn't get that. You're like Jeff was walking around like he was the king of the castle, yeah. and I was. Who, what am I? What's yes. going on? <laughs> yes. We would literally sing him songs about how handsome he was, like his oh. whole life, and like no one sang me a song about how beautiful. <laughs> <I was. laughs> the songs were like Jeff, you are better looking than Natalie. Yeah. Natalie's like, why do I have to learn yeah. these lyrics? It's bullshit. Oh. So, so we have all these insecurities in us, but. If we were just like ingrained with that positivity, maybe in the beginning, maybe it would be different. Not to say that my parents tore me apart, but they there's just a difference in like how you built yeah. someone. <laughs> it must be amazing to be around Jeff. I mean, just in general, but I also mean for that specific reason, because it's not often that you have somebody where they have been told by their loved ones just that they are wonderful. Yeah. No, right? that, doesn't, that doesn't happen. No. That Do you ever try happen. and like get that confidence to rub off on you a little bit? Well, anytime he's around, everything's just better anyways. Nothing matters. Wow. So like if I bomb, it doesn't matter. If I don't book mm. a commercial or a TV gig, it doesn't matter. He's just like, he's the best. Everyone oh. needs a Jeff in their life. It's all oh. like people all the time. If you're lucky okay. enough to ever be with anyone who has downs like volunteer wise or just in your family or friends or whatever it's you're just so lucky (laughs) that's it anytime I see um 
like posts that you have of like pictures with him or if you'll write about him or anything like if it's a birthday or a show you're just in in any photos like you are lit up or anything you write it's just so sweet I feel and it's weird I was about to be like I just love your relationship with him and I just realized I don't know your sibling relationship with him I we've never talked about your brother before but I feel like I know him we're like I have a brother Jeff like Jeff yeah. why do I know that but everyone yeah. knows him I will like usually my posts are only about him or about shows that's that's usually yeah. what it is doesn't he isn't he like a really good singer or does karaoke? Why am I thinking that you have right. of him singing? Yeah, he, so he has a band. Um, <gasps> he calls country stars, big country. Yeah. Stars. And um, every year for his birthday. So all he wants are instruments. He, uh, he has like a focus on instruments. So my uh, parents and other family members have bought him literally every instrument you could ever want over the last like 20 years. So he has like four guitars and a bass and a banjo and drum set. Like he has oh. everything you could have. He you could be the whole band. Yes. So yeah. on his birthday every year he puts on a concert for everyone. So wow. he hands out instruments to the people in our family. So I'm a backup singer. I'm not allowed to have an instrument. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> not as like I don't know why it um, honestly is a gender oh. thing and it pisses me off <laughs> is it a gender thing yeah when I say he hands out like when I say he hands out uh instruments to members of the family I'll say member <laughs> male members of the family he hands them out to <laughs> and the women all have to sit there and be audience members <laughs> oh my god this is the best thing I've ever heard <laughs> So everyone's playing. The, everyone has like violins, uh, oh. saxophones, trumpets, like nothing that would be in a country song. And he puts on, <laughs> <laughs> and he puts on a country album that he that he has, and uh, he sings a lot. He plays the full album, and he sings along to the to the singer. And then everyone who doesn't no none of us know how to play instruments. But they all just play behind. I'm pl I'm putting play in air quotations right now. Yeah, Someone yeah. just plays behind him, and that's oh. what we do for like four hours. Oh my god, that is the most amazing thing! And like in a country song, like what if like who's the person with the violin? Or maybe that's in a country song. Are they just like trying not to ruin the violin because they don't know how to play it? Like yes. this is amazing. That's exactly what it is. And like, oh. and then he'll point to you when it's like your solo time. Oh. And you. And you do your solo. And if you step out of line, he'll kick you out of the band so fast. Oh, and then you're, well, are you demoted to an audience member immediately? Yeah, I have been demoted. So <laughs> Come on, Natalie. You're an amazing singer. How I'm are you getting part, demoted? All the time. I was a part of the Dixie Chicks for years. He would let me do the Dixie <gasps> Chicks with my mom and my sister. I'm no longer allowed to sing any of the <gasps> songs. What, what did you what did you do honestly it doesn't matter I probably like didn't Ugh. give him lunch at the right time right and he's like you just wait till my birthday Natalie <laughs> you just wait oh oh you want to sing landslide no oh, I have another thing coming for you exactly what oh it is. my gosh that the is best. that is fabulous oh yeah. shout out to Jeff that is so great yeah you gotta meet him he's great oh I would love to. Is it when you have shows that are real bombers, like nothing to do with you guys, but audience members are just quiet. Mm -hmm. If you have Jeff in the audience, do you feel the way about your peers? Like, oh, no one's laughing or, or oh, is it uh, opposite? I just am happy he's there. It doesn't, nothing oh. matters. 
Uh, I must be cool too. Maybe you get some clout. Like, look, Jeff, I'm on a stage. Can I please be in the Dixie Chicks again? No, he doesn't care so much. He cares more about the pretty ladies in the cast. Oh, yeah. all right. He just loves the ladies, but he doesn't <laughs> look at them in the audience <laughs> or on stage. No, they're not allowed on the stage with him. Oh, oh, that's great. Well, he has to keep his distance. Oh my God, that is amazing. I'm crying. That was so great. I would love to meet Jeff one day. He just, you all your posts are just so, I'll just go to a show when he's going. We'll just, yes. I'll introduce myself. Whenever hi. we are allowed to be on a stage again. I know. <sighs> so hard. Oh my goodness. One day. Well, Natalie, we are, we are at our end. <laughs> That sounded oh. awful. I'm not going to say it like that. Because we're also just talking about, like, whenever we can get out of isolation. And I'm like, well, we are at the end of our rope. Um, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Oh, my God. Thank you. This It was a joy. And, and one thing I kept thinking while you were talking. First of all, you have an incredible singing voice and also speaking voice. Oh, like, thank you. Yes. That's amazing. So I was watching an interview with you on YouTube. And I zoned out and I had to rewind to listen to what you said because I was like oh her voice is incredible and also you have a great laugh has anyone ever told I feel like you probably get that a lot I I got that a few times that's so nice though thank you it's fabulous it's so great did you ever find as a kid that you that you changed your laugh because you heard another laugh like and you're like I gotta do that yeah, I feel like and I heard a girl in my gym class laugh a certain way and I like forced myself to change into that into the laugh you have now I don't know if it's now or what it was but like I distinctly remember being like nope that is my laugh now (laughs) I totally did that because I I have a bunch of different laughs I feel like a bird but like one of my laughs is really I didn't know it till someone pointed it out like rudely like a bully or whatever not a bully just a sad kid anyway he said like uh he pointed out that I laugh like like it's ugly and it's low so first I think I was in grade three and so for so long if I found something funny I forced myself to laugh like ha 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 kind of like Tina I guess from Bob's Burgers but and I was like this doesn't feel good no sometimes you just got to change it up okay yeah you gotta gotta try come on it'll always go back to what it regularly was or it'll be a, a, a mashup of both yeah I mean now honestly I, I realized I was still doing it like for a while. And now I just let whatever sound comes out. And a lot of my friends make fun of me. Like my partner will imitate my laugh sometimes, especially the ho ho ho. Like he'll imitate the low or the quick ones. But um, I don't know. Laugh, it feels good. So like, just I'm do just going to do it. Just do yeah. what you want. Gosh, uh, just accept my laugh for what it is. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Liquid Courage podcast. If you liked what you heard, please help me out by leaving a rating or a comment on your Apple podcast app or on YouTube or wherever you might be listening from. And if you're like me and you have an awful memory or you just don't want to have to remember when the next episode comes out, hit that subscribe button and the newest episode will automatically download for you. Just like magic. I love it. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Liquid Courage Podcast. And if you're still listening, 
I want to remind you that a pandemic is still taking place. And I don't say that to be a buzzkill or to scare you, but to ask you to please, please continue or start wearing your mask when you're out of your house and around other people. We should be treating people how we want to be treated. And if you want to be safe and healthy, respect the health and safety of the people around you. Please. Thanks again for listening. It means the world to me. Stay safe and take care. Thank you.